1: Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am sitting down with 95.7 The Games and Cron 4 News' Kirsten Moran. Kirsten talks about her journey from being a cheerleader for the San Jose Sabercats and the San Francisco 49ers to transitioning to the world of sports journalism. This is a really inspiring podcast, guys. She talks about hard work, perseverance, and how you get to where you want to be with great tips on staying inspired. So if you like what you hear, and I know you will, don't forget to subscribe to us and leave a review on iTunes and to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Now let's get to it, Fangirls. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining me today. I have been so looking forward to having you on. Uh, I get to see you every Sunday and sometimes more than that. And so it's a real pleasure to get to talk to you today.
0: Welcome to Get My Job. Thank you so much, Tracy, for having me. I have been so excited and anxious to to come on this podcast, listening to all the women that get to be featured on here. It's just amazing to listen to. So I'm honored to be here talking to you.
1: Well, I'm so excited you're here because you do so many different things and you started in different areas. And one of the things we love to highlight here are all the different career paths and opportunities for women in the sports industry. And you are just basically the perfect example of that. So I want to start by talking about your time as a cheerleader. I know it was one year with the San Jose Sabercats, four years with the San Francisco 49ers, which is, of course, the team that you now cover, uh, but I know you grew up a dancer. You grew up with brothers. You've always grew up a sports fan. But can you talk to me a little bit about the process of being a cheerleader, and then when you decided you wanted to transition into sports reporting?
0: So being a cheerleader was absolutely so much fun. And looking back, it's it's crazy to think that I cheered when the Niners were not so great. <laughs> and now, <laughs> and now they're they're just absolutely phenomenal. So it's been um, such a such a Cool thing to see the transition of the team grow from when it was, you know, Harbaugh to Chip Kelly to Jim Tomsula. Now it's just with Kyle Shanahan and his direction. Um, they've just, they've really just powered through and been this amazing team. But to go from cheering to the sidelines and to journalism, um, I actually figured out that I wanted to chase my just dreams, I guess, in journalism. Um, but while I was cheering for the San Jose Sabercats after my season, I had found, um, I'd gotten a job where I was reporting on and off the red carpet and doing events for a little local entertainment channel in the Bay Area called Bay Area HQ. And my first interview was with Steph Curry before Steph Curry was who he is today, before he had won an MVP. And looking back at the interview, it's so funny because I was sick that day and he was just it was just like almost like seeing both of our transitions. I mean, obviously I'm, I know Steph Curry, but um, Mm -hmm. I had knew at that moment um, when I got the opportunity to interview him and I was like, wow, my love for sports, my love for passion and storytelling all in one. And it was still a way that I could, you know, cheering, you know that you can't cheer forever and that you, I had to find a career where I was still able to give that performing aspect that I love so much, but into my career, I knew that, I wasn't in the long haul to chase you know the money or or the fame or i just wanted a job where i just loved what i was doing every day so when i got the opportunity to um, get to interview people whether that was um, like a celebrity for a tv show or an athlete in particular i really just found my niche and i knew that that's when i wanted to transition and so during that time i thought okay well what am i going to do to be able to get into broadcasting and really further this career because I was just doing some things. I would go to the Super Bowl every year and I would get to interview all these people. And I was like, okay, and, and, and when I mean Super Bowl, I mean the events that surrounded the Super Bowl. So like the Bud Light party that happened or the Maxim event or anything that was surrounding that weekend. And so I decided, okay, well, I'm gonna go back to school because at the time I was going to school to be a paralegal and I thought, this is definitely not what I wanted to do. I was sitting behind you know, the desk and learning law. And then I realized, no, this is, I want to switch my career. So I ended up um, switching my major completely and going to San Francisco State and um, getting my, four degree, uh, my four-year degree, my four degree in broadcast communications at San Francisco State.
1: And were you cheerleading for the 49ers during that time or was that after, before?
0: It was So it was kind of, so when I cheered for the San Jose Sabercats, that was in, I believe 2000 and if I'm wrong, maybe was it 2011, 2012. And then I took a year off and got the entertainment job. Okay. And then I made the San Francisco 49ers and cheered with them for four seasons. And then during that time that I cheered, I was on the team with all these women who were just it's so intelligent, and everybody had a degree. And I thought, you know, some people always say like school's not for them, and and I'm, I was a big advocate of that. I was like, you could achieve your dreams and not go to school. And then I was like, you know what? Nope i need to I need to go do my degree. There's no excuse. And so I was really thankful that I had a community surrounding me. That pushed me to get my education to back my experience. So I cheered and went to school at the same time.
1: Wonderful. That's awesome. That's also very impressive. Uh, so that's, Thank you. that is fantastic. Yeah. So today you are a digital reporter, host, and producer for 95.7 The Game. Obviously you know this, but I want to make sure our listeners mm-hmm. know this as well. Mm-hmm. As well. And then at KRON 4 News, digital sports producer and assignment desk editor. Once you got your degree in broadcasting and you finished cheering, what came first? Where was your, your first job and what challenges uh, did that job present for you?
0: So when I first, um, so it was last season after the Niners had wrapped, um, I knew going into the industry, if I really wanted to commit full-time into broad, into chasing just sports journalism, that I had to hang up my palms because when, you're, when, we, when I cheered for the 49ers, we gave up every Saturday. When I say gave up, I was honored to give up every Saturday, right, practicing and in the, in the right in the industry, you have to um, be able to work weekends. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to go all I'm going to go all in after I'd gotten my degree and I finished the season. I said, I'm going to use my connections that I had built um, from just people that I have met while whether that was cheering at games or I had seen them at events that I was covering while I was hosting. Um, and so I had reached out to a host, um, Dan Dibley, who's on 95.7 now. He's on JOLO and Dib. And he had kind of been my mentor on how to get into the radio station. And so um, with luckily through LinkedIn, I reached out to him and I said, hey, like you know, do you know if your station is hiring? And, and so I got that job. Um, it's almost been a year now since I've been with 95.7. And then at the same time, maybe I would say a month after I got that job, I was looking for another job because radio, you know, you can't make a, you don't make a ton of money. You can't just support yourself just working at, just working there, at least not part time. And so I had reached out to Cron4 News and I seen that they were looking for somebody as well. And so I told them my schedule with 95.7 The Game. I told them what my ambitions were and what they were looking for. And I, and they said that at the time they were looking for assignment desk editor and I said, Hey, I'll, I'll take whatever you can give me. And so um, I started off there. And then yeah, basically a month or two later, I had said, hey, like, if you're ever looking for somebody to, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in sports. And they were like, yeah, actually, we, we need someone to write sport, our sports content for our website. And so I transitioned to doing digital sports as well.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. And so how long were you at Cron for um, before that happened?
0: Um, so I, I would say maybe a month. I mean, when I had first interviewed for the job, I had, I had told them to, through my interview process that I was really interested in sports. And so I knew that that potentially could come about while I was working there. And then I just made sure while I was there that I was persistent about telling my bosses what my goals were. So that way I didn't feel like I was getting stuck in one job position.
1: And I'm really glad you said that. Cause I think it's important for our listeners, especially those that are, coming up in the sports industry, or really any industry, you have to be persistent and your own best advocate for what you want. And there certainly is a line between persistence and annoying, but it's important to know that line, and you have to make sure to remind people, because as is true in all things in life, people thinking about themselves not, which is understandable, we all are, but they're not necessarily going to remember oh, Kirsten said she wanted to work in sports. So I think it's really important to know that line and to be persistent. And like I said, be your own best advocate, because that is, of course, how you're going to get more opportunities.
0: Right, exactly. And I, you know, even I think I had mentioned to you at a 49er game, but I remember just networking and talking to somebody that you worked with at Fox Sports, and they were talking about how proud they were of you, um, Jacob Ullman, about how you started this, you know, your podcast and your fangirl network. And and just that you were persistent and you just kept going and you made sure you stuck on well, held on to your dream. So it's really admirable to keep, just keep pushing for yourself because you're your biggest advocate.
1: And that I think that's some of the best advice um, that we could give to anybody. So I would love for you to say, tell a little bit because not everybody necessarily knows. If you could go through, we'll start with your responsibilities at 95.7 The Game. Digital reporter, host, and producer – for those who are not exactly aware, what exactly what does that mean?
0: What do your responsibilities include? Okay, so at ninety five seven, the game, I'll start um, while I'm driving in in the morning. I'll listen to the Jolo and Dib show, and that's our first morning show. And I'm like, okay, what's what's the big what's the big news? And what's you know aside from Twitter and and following up on social media and seeing what's going on for the day? I'm like, who? What guests have they had on? So today, for example, we had Joe Buck on. And so we had a couple of few other people's, but I'll go through and I'll get to work and I'll, okay, I got to make a video. I got to make a graphic. So not only am I just hosting and and talking to listeners and seeing what their take is on social media media and making videos of myself, but I'll also do that hype up the show and help up our, and just hype up getting people to listen into our station. So I'll pull recordings and whether that's writing a story or Making a graphic or editing footage to get audio linked up so people can listen in on the interview. Every day is kind of different, but it's just getting a feel of what the headliners are for the day and what it what it is that you specifically want to make content for. Um, and then at Cron, um, two days a week, I'm, I spend listen, doing that same thing, going through mediums like what are the headliners of the week? Like, for example, this week we have the MLB and the, the you know, the cheating scandal and I'll write about that and then going through all of the press conference footage from what for the from the week and knowing what all the storylines are you know for the week and so last week it was you know talking about Sherman and how people doubted him and talking about um, just Kyle Shanahan and maybe his relationship with his father and so and writing stories for that and posting them on Twitter and on Facebook and then On the weekends for Cron 4, I also am an assignment desk editor, so what that means is finding all the breaking news stories and talking to the reporters about, hey, this is the storyline for today. Here's all the information. This is the stories that we're going to need you to cover, and then when you watch the newscast later on in the night, all the breaking news stories or all the stories you're hitting within the first 15 to 10 minutes of the A block of the show, those stories are usually the stories that I'm assigning up to the reporters, so that way they can see, you as viewers, you can see what's going on in your community.
1: Oh, fantastic. And then what is game That's, day? Like
0: it's kind you? of a lot. <laughs>
1: it, is, it, it, it definitely is a lot. And actually, so before we get to game day, I have I have a different question before that. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed and do you have tools that you use to kind of help you balance that out?
0: Um, I think that, you know, with this industry, especially, I sometimes do feel, I would say overwhelmed a, a lot. And it, I guess, what I always try to look at is every day, um, I'll try to write down what my goals are, like my my long-term goals are. So I know that every day, no matter with everything that I have going on, I'm working towards one specific goal. So my goal right now is that within a year from now, or I would like to be at, you know, whether that's one place or two place, but they're full-time. So because I'm part-time at both, I'm working at about anywhere from 30 to 35 hours at each. So I average about 65 hours a week. And so, well, yeah, definitely a lot. But so what I think of it is like, okay, so if I have one goal and every day I'm doing something to get closer to that goal, then I'm then I'm moving a little bit closer to where I want to be. And so, like some days I'm like, man, I didn't do anything today to to be on air or anything that's going to help me. And then I'm like, well, no, I wrote an article today, and that that helps me, you know, whether I'm speaking or whether I'm whether my writing. So it ultimately, as long as I'm doing something every day, I think that helps calm my feeling overwhelmed, mm-hmm. as you could say? Does okay. that answer your question? It yeah.
1: does. That does answer my question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have some follow-ups, but first, I'd love for you to take us through mm-hmm. your game day. This is one of my favorite questions I ask, because I know what my game day looks like, and I love hearing what everybody else's game day look like. looks like. And I also always want to drive home to our listeners that it's a long day, and it's fun, and we get to cover football, and there's like no better job, but it is work, and it's a big day, and it's a long day. So I just always like to drive that point home as well.
0: Definitely. So I'll start, um, like for example, this week. Um, so we'll have a what's it? The, our kickoff is three forty. So I'll get to the stadium. That actually will be
1: last week when you guys are listening to this. But it's her. It's her NFL oh. Championship game game day. Just
0: giving you guys a little okay insight on that. <laughs> So I usually arrive at the stadium, um, I try to be there no later than two hours before the game. And so what I do is I'll go, um, depending on if we have a host that's doing a pregame show, usually I'll go link up with the host that from our, like our more one of our regular hosts that's on air every day. If they're doing the pregame show, I'll go and I'll try to get some footage of them live for our listeners. So I go live on Instagram, whether it's Facebook. And so I'll record a video of the show, and usually they're at the they're at the Hilton, so the hotel across the street. And I'll record a video, I'll post produce edit it, I'll put it up, and then after that I'll walk over to the stadium. From there, um, put my stuff down at the press box, go down to the field, and then I'm recording all of the footage of the players um, warming up. And so from there, it's like you know getting, whether that's Jimmy G warming up or George Kittle or. Um, you know, the receivers dancing or getting the players coming out the stadium. So, and then from there, also getting the players coming out of the tunnel. And so from there, I'll put them up on Twitter, I'll put them up on Instagram, and I'll put them up on Facebook. Then I rush back up to the um, press box and I tweet play by play. So, every play that has, um, like, whether we're scoring or there's an interception or there's a fumble, it's mainly the big plays. It's not. We don't do exactly every single play just because um we found that more of our listeners want really just want to engage with us on the big moments mm-hmm. and so um which lately has been a lot <laughs> it's been that's actually yes, awesome. that's correct. <laughs> and then also if so if a player if i notice like hey somebody's walking to the locker room and they'll tell us in the press box like um whoever is injured it's like okay well now i got to pull up a picture and i got to put a we got to put a graphic up and we got to send it out and let people know this person's headed to the locker room or they're questionable they're out for the game and then after the game is over going back down to the press box and getting all of the footage of whoever speaking at the podium and usually we have one reporter in the in the press conference uh, at the podium in that room and then another one in the locker room it just depends on the workflow or how big the game is and so in taking all that videos deciding okay does this video on twitter we'll put it up right away and then for the rest of our digital platforms we'll post produce everything and put graphics on it because there's some videos that we want we want to be the first step and we want you know our goal is to have bleacher report take it and i mean last week we had bleacher report take one of our videos and we had 2.5 million views and so that for us that was a win because we yeah we wanted people to want people to watch you want people to pay attention like hey we're we're making sure we're covering the 49ers in timely fashion and so and then also from after that, after post-producing everything, taking all of that and being like, okay, well, now how can we write a story into it? So usually if I get there two hours before the game, I'm not leaving. If the ga- the game ends at, say, four or five o'clock, I'm not leaving until, like, four hours after that. It's so definitely a long day.
1: It is. It is definitely a long day. It's a great day, but it is yeah, a long it's a great day. day. I, have, it's a- I have people, you know, sometimes I have friends that are at games, and they're like, so what are you doing after the game? I'm like, well, I won't. <laughs> after the game for me it's like four hours later so not,
0: not, not right. anything you're doing after the game you can hang off. out <laughs> yeah exactly we could totally <laughs> um,
1: okay.
0: it's it, it's hard to link up with people after the game and you want to like as a as a reporter it's like you know that you have to get all that content out and then, of course, as the fan side of you, you're like, yeah, let's, you know, this is great. Let's go celebrate. And you're like, actually, no, I need to do work.
1: Yeah, no, that's never happening for me.
0: <laughs> Not so, I mean, you know what? That's Right. Okay. I don't want it any other way. Right. Um, so I
1: have a question. Um, what would you say as you transitioned, you know, whether it be from dance to cheering to broadcasting to producing, what would you say the number one challenge is that you have faced thus far?
0: I think the number one challenging when transitioning is all in all looking back and um, and thinking about everything is figuring out how to how to kind of make a career out of this, especially when you're first starting out, because um, as I said earlier, you know, you it's really hard to make money coming into this industry off the bat. You have to be willing to pretty much. I mean, when I first was interviewing people on the red carpet before I was in sports journalism and whether that was just traveling, well, I did a lot of it for free. -hmm. I had interviewed people in the green screen room of my house and just did it for fun. And people like, oh, you must make so much money. And I'm like, no, I do this because I love to do it. And so when I had first transitioned from cheering, I when I had gotten the job at the game, I was I also had a full time just a normal project coordinator job that had nothing to do with sports at all. And my job or my boss had told me he said, hey, you know, you're gonna have to decide. You know, is this what you want to do or do you want to do that? And he gave me that ultimatum. And I thought it was like the, oh, my gosh, like I'm going to have to keep my nine to five job because that's what pays the bills. And I wrote down like everything that I loved and and what was worth it to me. And just in my heart, I, I told them right then and there, I was like, then I need to follow my passion because this isn't it. And so right away, I was applying for other jobs in the media industry. And so, you know, I I just. That I think that just figuring out how you can afford, you know, because I wasn't living, not living at home and how you can afford your day-to-day life while still chasing your dreams. So finding that balance and whether you have to, you know, pick up a, a part-time job and you're, you're bartending and you're working in radio or you're serving or anything. And so I was really fortunate enough to find two media jobs that I'm able to support myself. But I think that was the biggest transition. And also knowing that you're giving up, You know, you're giving up weekends and nights and everybody else is like, oh, let's plan a trip. And I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. And so just being willing to really just zone in on your career and know that eventually, you know, you'll have a life one day. (laughs) 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 Knowing that it's (laughs) right. Knowing that it's all it's all worth it. I love
1: people ask me every year, what are you doing for the holidays? Like my holidays are after working. the Super Bowl, yeah, <laughs> which is fine. Again, I yeah. wouldn't want it any other way, but for me, the holidays are after the Super Bowl. Um, uh,
0: that, that's a good so, point. My, my sister just planned oh, a, definitely a trip and she said, um, <laughs> uh, my sister had planned a trip and she goes, well, can we We should go in February next year. And I was like, well, remember, Super Bowl is usually the first or second weekend. So anytime after that.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And there you go. That's the, that's the fair that's the the fair response and everybody totally means well it's just funny because they're just you know they don't. yeah you know. uh but that's okay why would they? You, you know i mean if you don't if you're not used to working on sundays and for a certain amount of time then why would you but you know we're lucky right. we love what we do and it's totally worth it and i never feel like left out i don't get fomo because i can't be at things because i'm so lucky to get to do what i do um but it is funny exactly. when people ask that and when people asked me if I can do brunch on Sunday. That's my other one that I followed. I'm like, um, well, unfortunately I'm gonna be in Green Bay, but sure, <laughs> if you're gonna make it to Green Bay and get up really
0: early, then why not? <laughs> right, which we got we got kind of a break, you know, with a Saturday game. I'm like, a Saturday game, really, i yeah. sure? <laughs> yeah,
1: that was confusing. That was definitely, confusing. it was really very funny. Um, is there, is there a mistake and maybe that's not quite the right word, but is there a mistake or a misstep that you see women making, uh, trying to break into the sports industry and what would you tell them to avoid it?
0: Um, I don't think there's a mistake. Um, I would say giving up too quick okay. and understanding. I would think looking back now, the people that like, I maybe would shared the same aspirations as I did maybe first starting off in this career and now a lot of people even what that I just went to school it's like yeah I want to do this this and this and then they're like I applied to all these jobs and I didn't get anything and I took this other job and and because it's you know it, it's Monday through Friday and it pays the bills and I'm like I think you have to like you have to have a vulnerability and be willing to be uncomfortable for a really long time or for the most of this career because it's always changing and I feel like you have to be evolving and willing to put in the time and effort because if not, then the career itself is it can be it can be really. Hard. And I'm sure you know you are a testament to that that especially being a woman in this industry, we're criticized a lot, mm-hmm. and so and and always questioned if we know if people are asking us if we know what we're talking about or we get questions that maybe a guy wouldn't get asked. And so just having this thick skin and knowing that you know some some days I'm not gonna lie they're gonna be really hard. And you're going to cry and or maybe maybe you don't cry maybe you just get really mad and you have to know that like if it's something you really really love you just got to stick it out like it's all going to work you just have to stick it out and and so many people are going to come so many people change like I would I would think well the producers that I worked with even just from the jobs that I have right now I would say there are producers that I don't work with anymore because they've quit or there's you know, there's hosts or there's reporters that I've worked with that aren't working in the same jobs that I'm at just because they were they didn't like the you know the city or they didn't like what they were covering or they didn't like their manager and so it's always changing. But if this is something you want to do and and you can see the end of the road or see the the goal at the, at the end of it, it's going to work out. You just have to be able to wait it out.
1: I think that's true, and I think you brought up a good point too that as women we are criticized, which is going to bring me to my next question, but Uh, We are criticized more often. We are questioned about our knowledge. And hopefully, someday, very soon, that won't be the case. But I think the best way to kind of make that happen is to power through and soldier on and hold your head high and do your job and let the rest of it somewhat take care of itself, which is not always easy to do. Um, And we we get criticism. Well, the girl said... The girl said it wrong, the girl said his name wrong, right. the girl did this, the girl did that. Um, and it's unfortunate. And I really hope that that day comes sooner rather than later. And I think it will, but it is a work in progress. And so the best thing that you can do is work in progress, I suppose, um,
0: Exactly. To keep,
1: it, to keep it moving forward. So what is a criticism that you received early on that, while it was tough for you to take, has kind of shaped where you are today and has helped you to grow?
0: I think I had a really hard time with listening when I was giving an interview, was really listening and engaging with whoever I was interviewing to be able to ask a good follow-up question. And I would just jump to the next question. I'd be like, okay, great. And I remember my mom or the producer at the time, they'd be like, you're not listening. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I asked the next question. I remembered my next question. They're like, no, you're not understanding what they're saying. Like, you could have asked a better question, just you could... The, I had the best tip and I remember from I hosted Super Bowl City in San Francisco and that my producer Jay Howarth um, loved her absolute gem she gave me the advice she says you could just have one great question and that should steer your whole interview because if you're listening and you're paying attention you should be able and if they're giving you a, besides a yes or no answer if they're giving you just any answer you should be able to just have a natural conversation and so I think and I, I'm still practicing this till this day. As long as I'm listening to what I'm saying, it's, it's helping, my interview is also 10 times better, but knowing and understanding that also just makes for, it's better for the viewer too, because they're like, oh, this person is natural and they're not forcing questions versus just having a natural conversation. So I think that really shaped me into being a better reporter and also just a better storyteller.
1: I think that's true, and it's such a good point. The listening, and I've actually I've told this story on this podcast before, but you know, in training camp, I asked Quan Alexander, "How is your knee?" Because he'd been coming off, you know, uh-huh. off of injury, and he said, right. "Legendary," and that's where that started. And so I was so excited to tweet that out. I was tweeting, and another reporter was very smart and said, "Did you just say legendary? Please explain," which is great. But I thought about it later and I was like, I should have, not everything has to go up the second it said. I don't have to get the tweet. Yeah. out. I, the, I should have, like, you know, was it was just a good lesson? And I've really um, paid attention to that the rest of the season. Yeah. I've heard that listen to what they say, listen for the follow up, listen for the story, listen because it's interesting. And you've asked a question, they're taking time to answer it. So listen to it and don't, right. you know, That's... not making that. And that was such a good lesson um, for me, because I was like, oh, yeah, that was there, that follow up question was just like waiting there for me. But I was so busy tweeting, which there's value in that as well. But it was a good learning experience. Right. For me. So that, you-
0: that is a good, that's a really good example. It's uh, I listened to and I don't remember who had said it. And it was a podcast, I think. And they had said, if you every time you listen to somebody, you wait two seconds before you respond, you're able to process, and in this industry, I'm always like, "That's so hard sometimes to do because somebody there asks the next question." But it's it's definitely like that's that's a perfect example. But the fact that you also got that legendary answer is great because that's the new viral 49ers Quan Alexander. But it is it's hard it's hard to it's it's also hard I feel like to listen to what people are saying sometimes because you're just so nervous, and so it's learning how to calm those nerves and really relaxing and being comfortable with. Having a bunch of emotions kind of running, running through you because you want to hurry up and get the question and you want to make sure you get your story right. But then it's like, okay, relax and, and just take your time. It'll all flow. So, yeah, it's really good.
1: And I think it's, it's interesting to bring up the nervous part because, of course, especially when you're really new talking to the head coach or the quarterback or the D lineman or whoever it may be. And you have a question, I think not you, but the universal you has a question. I think especially very early on in the process when you're starting out, there is a sense of nervousness and you, you know, you want to sound knowledgeable and you want to know what you're saying, but you know, I think we all have our moments. And at the end of the day, your question is your question and you you get it out, you get your answer and, and everybody moves on. Um, I actually remember I had a, (laughs) situation this season after the first Rams game and I don't know what happened to me I've been doing this for a while now and I was asking Kyle Shanahan get about Jimmy Ward and I said I started the question my question what I wanted to say was with everything Jimmy Ward's been through he had an incredible day today like how great is it to see him overcome the ad- adversity but for reasons that I can't explain I could not get the words out like I started to say it I couldn't say it and then I finally go Jimmy Ward can you just talk about him <laughs> And he laughed, and it was like it was just one of those things where I was like, "What is the matter with me?" But we all have our moments, and you have to remember that. And it was a big deal to me, and I'll remember it always. And now everybody listening to this will, but I'm pretty sure no one else will. And so um, it was just really funny, uh, but it's like funny. it happens to everybody.
0: <laughs> you know, when you're listening back to your interviews, sometimes I'll say a question and I'm like, why did I say it like that? <laughs> and like, we're more hard on ourselves just because this is what we do every day. <laughs> and then I be like, why did I, I don't, i like there's sometimes I'm like, I don't even think that question made sense. Thank gosh they understood what I meant though. <laughs>
1: But it's, I think somehow, somehow mm-hmm. they do. And I think it probably made more sense yeah. than you think it did. But it's so funny, I think. But it's good. And also I think that goes to another good piece of advice is that don't be too hard on yourself. Like, everyone's working hard. Everyone's doing the best they can. And if you are doing your job and doing your research and putting in your best effort, then you're doing fine. And just remember right. that. Um, so it's like, and it's funny if you think about it a different way, it's just as hard for the quarterback to have to get up there and talk about why he threw that interception. And that's probably much harder exactly. for him than me not being able to get my question out about Jimmy Ward. And so that's, I think, you know, everybody, everybody has a job to do and everybody does the best they can. So I guess that's another way that we can look
0: I mean, at it. Definitely.
1: Um, So this brings me now, Kirsten, to my personal favorite part of the Get My Job podcast, because it's my personal favorite part of most everything, and that is, of course, five fun facts. Um, As you know, I do this with the players, and it's, well, fun. Um, And then in every episode of Get My Job, we ask everybody the same five fun facts questions, which has been awesome, because we get so many different answers, and it's just... You know, great to know how many people, how many like-minded people are still so different, and it's awesome. So, um, yeah. if you're ready, I'm ready. And if, there, but if there's anything else that you want to talk about or tell our listeners or want to make sure that that we cover, let's do that first.
0: Well, aside from myself, Tracy, I was curious, and maybe just for our listeners, your listeners as well. But I, I'm curious, how did you get your your start in in creating this podcast, and how did everything come about?
1: Uh, Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, So I started Fangirl Sports Network. It was 2015. And at that point, it was just 49ers Fangirl. And I wanted to create a place for female fans where they, we felt comfortable being fans, but also being female. And what I mean by that is I know as much as as any man about the game, analysis, stats, etc. But I also do enjoy the lifestyle aspects of football. And I like finding great game day gear, and I like cool recipes for a tailgate or a party. And I didn't feel there was a place that had both kinds of content and really married the two, and really where that was in some ways, I mean, for lack of a better term, accepted because there was this idea that women were either big sports fans or would not be able to tell you the difference between a three-pointer and a touchdown. And that wasn't me, and that wasn't a lot of my friends, so I wanted to create a place with that type of content. Uh, To that end, the tagline for Fangirl Sports Network, um, and you guys may or may not know this, if you follow us on Instagram, you see it. Make sure to do that at Fangirl Sports Network. But our tagline is that a fangirl is a woman who knows all of Tom Brady's stats but isn't afraid to embrace her inner Giselle. I love that. Thank you. I, I came up with it one day during an interview, and I was very excited about it, <laughs> and it became our And that's really who we are. So from there, in that first season, I started doing a podcast. It, then it was called Talk, Talking Touchdowns, and I did it with Stephanie McCarroll, who's now our Jaguars and Warriors fangirl. And we did that. I did video content. I wrote blog posts, et cetera. Uh, and then in 2016, we uh, expanded and became Fangirl Sports Network, added a Rams fangirl. And we've grown from there. And so now we have a fangirl for every NFL and NBA team. Uh, And this season we launched, well, we have the Fangirl Playbook podcast, which is what Talking Touchdowns became. Uh, But We wanted to make it more encompassing of all sports. And then we launched this podcast, Get My Job, because really wanted to do something uh, that highlighted incredible women in the sports industry and advice they have, their obstacles, what they what they did to get where they are. their various jobs, and I just thought it was a really important thing to share with young women who wanna work in this industry. So that is how we are here today.
0: It's amazing! It's really, it's inspiring what you're doing. And I commend you for, you know, you're there at every practice and you're at every game. And, and not only that, but you're there with class and you're there smiling and have the most positive attitude. So I commend you for what you're doing. This is it's absolutely, it's, it's amazing. Well, thank you.
1: Well, that is like one of the nicest things anybody's ever said. Honestly, that really,
0: that made me very happy. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, it's, it's all it's all paying off, like all your hard work and the years of, I, I think when I first started cheering, when did you start Fangirl Network?
1: Uh, it was 2015, but, and I started uh, being credentialed in 2016.
0: Wow. And it's, you've grown so much and it's just, it's amazing. It just keeps getting, I mean, everything, like your whole network is getting better and better. So keep, keep at it.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And with those kind, lovely words that honestly have made my day, we're going to move into your five fun facts because I just want to keep highlighting what a fun, amazing person you are.
0: (laughs) Um, Let's let's do it.
1: All right. So if you're ready, I am going to just throw them out. And the first one is what is your favorite moment in sports?
0: Ah, my favorite moment in sports. Ooh, um, I'm going to say, okay, this is, this is okay. This is, oh gosh, 40 under fans don't hate me. But when I was <laughs> cheering, is it la- the, my, Jimmy G's first year. And remember, I cheered during the really not so great times and mm-hmm. CJ Beathard had just gotten hurt. And it was really sad because Everybody, when C.J. Bethard got hurt and they had just signed Jimmy G, everybody in the stadium was chanting Jimmy G. And so you felt awful for C.J. Bethard because you were like, that's not how it should be. But inside, you knew that it was like the start of something like Jimmy G was coming and taking the field. And you felt that the fans just full on believed that this was going to change the trajectory of the entire, you know, 49ers organization. And sure enough, it did. And so I think that moment and being there at the stadium on the sidelines and feeling what everybody felt um, was such a was such a cool experience.
1: Okay, that's totally fair. That's so great, And actually, as long as you bring that up, I think that was a good, you know, that, there was a little controversy around that because some of the other players felt like the fans didn't behave appropriately. And I think, unfortunately, it's exactly what you said. They were just so excited about Jimmy. It was in no way um right do with CJ they were just excited about Jimmy but I also agree with you that there was you kind of did feel everything was about to change uh, so that
0: right. and I think yeah. and we, I think he lost that game actually but yeah.
1: well they, was, they were down by <laughs> quite a bit in that game but Jimmy came in and threw in a minute I believe in 20 a minute and 25 seconds I believe orchestrated a touchdown drive it was too deep. Yes, the yes. and they were down by too much to win it but he he came in and certainly, Got everybody very excited about his future.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> was a what a cool moment! Yes, it
1: was. I, it was definitely a very <laughs> cool moment. What is your life motto? Uh,
0: my life motto is never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. I, th- I got that from Cinderella story. Love me, Hillary Duff, <laughs> and um, I just that especially because I grew up playing softball and I love baseball. It's always been my sport aside from. Football. I think that with going with that motto, if you're if you're scared to do something, if you just you know you have to keep on going. It's that fear that what should drive you to be the best version of yourself.
1: Love that. Uh, Do you have a go-to workout?
0: Um, I don't know if a specific workout, but recently I've been into the Carrie Underwood's trainer Erin. I think her name is Opria, and I've downloaded her Pretty Muscles app. So if anybody wants a really good workout it's, it's great. I mean, it is a, you do have to pay a small subscription fee, but sometimes you can't go to the gym and her workouts are right then and there. And she does them with you. And I just, I'm in awe and I'm hoping to look like Carrie Underwood one day, apparently. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> what is your go-to coffee
1: order? You drink coffee.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. Um, right now it's Irish Sweet Cream Cold Brew. i mm. loving the just the shots of expresso, but I can't drink coffee black. So that sweet cream is like the perfect balance.
1: That sounds delicious. And last but not least, what is a book every woman should read?
0: Uh, I would say right now, mine was um, Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. And then also Brendan Burchard, The Motivation Manifesto. Um, I try to start my day at least if it's even just 20 minutes of having some type of positive podcast or it's a video or a book, something to keep me motivated to start my day kind of on a clean slate. And so having those um, two authors just following them has been a really, um, I think, a life changer. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for
1: joining me today. This was so fun to get to talk to you in a different capacity. um, And I just loved having you on.
0: Well, thank you. It's been great. It's been a pleasure. I'm like, I'm so I'm just so excited and honored to be on this podcast. And just to just having you as a, you know, as a friend and as a somebody that I can look for uh, advice to has been has been really great.
1: Well, thank you very much. And you've made my day. Um, Have a lovely
0: (laughs) rest of your day and I will see you on
1: the football field. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon.
0: Bye Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.